This week's episode of the Star Wars Report is brought to you by the good folks supporting us over on patreon.com slash Report. Let's do the show, folks. Come, come, come. And who might you be? It's the Star Wars Report. Star Wars Report. Woo! Star Wars Report. The place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. Then we can do something epic. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. The Force. It's calling to you. Just let it in. Oh, hi there. Welcome. Welcome back. It is the Star Wars Report Podcast. I don't know what it's... Hello. Hi. I'm Riley Bland, your host. Glad you've joined us once again, as always. Uh, to talk Star Wars, we've got a fun episode for you guys this week. Um, It's just me. It's me riding solo uh, this week. Hey, you guys remember that Connect Star Wars game? I'm riding solo. I'm riding solo. Uh, yeah, that was a thing. That was a thing uh, back in the day. But anyway, that's... That's entirely unrelated to anything we're talking about in the podcast today. We've got a uh, little bit of news. We've got a little bit of, uh, well, and we've got coming up, I'll just sit, tease it right off the top, a, a special guest, Ian Desher. That's Desher, not Dosher. I screw it up in the interview. You, you can listen for it. But Ian Desher, author of The Merry Rise of Skywalker, the, the Shakespeare Star Wars books, digs into his Star Wars fandom, his history with the franchise, and how he pitched such an off-the-wall concept uh, to... Lucasfilm and they actually went for it and he's been writing these books ever since so he's rounding out the Skywalker saga with the Merry Rise of Skywalker available uh, today as you're listening to this pod, uh, podcast go check it out uh, get yourself a copy available wherever fine books are sold but before we jump into that I, I have to say it's got to be time for some news. We have something to report. Come closer, I have good news. Data brought to us by the Botham spies. We can send a clear transmission. There it is. Listen, listen. Mm. Comic Con at home. Hey, I've actually, I've been to the last few Comic Cons. Kind of an odd twist of fate that um, uh, I've done, been, been able to work with the legal geeks, Josh, uh, over there. He's awesome. And we've, um, the first, my, my first Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con was, um, uh, the year we did the Poe Dameron, uh, the mock trial of Poe Dameron. But alas, this year was not to be. However, uh, Comic-Con at home's a thing. Yeah, it sure is. Um, they just did a huge publishing panel. I won't go through everything, but I wanted to highlight a couple of things that jumped out to me. We talked a little bit about it before, but we got a better look at the lightsaber collection novel. This is the... Uh, Evolution of the elegant weapon of a more civilized age. Um, but this is going to be... It's another one of these sort of coffee table books that I've become such a big fan of. Um, gorgeous, highly detailed illustrations of the most iconic and influential lightsabers, as well as new portraits of each lightsaber wielder. And a, uh, the newly announced book promises to be a coveted collection like no other. And I love the format of the book. I love the look of the book. I love lightsaber design. It's literally something I would do in college all the time. I would just doodle on my, um, <laughs> would literally just doodle lightsaber designs. <clears throat> I was paying attention in class. Not really. Um, there's some new IDW comics, nothing that I want to j- dive into too much. Uh, however, there is another Galaxy's Edge book, which you're like, Riley, the Galaxy's Edge book just came out, which yes, it did. Um, 
but they're uh, releasing an official art of book, Art of Galaxy's Edge, written by our friend Amy Ratcliffe, forward by Scott Trowbridge. It's all about the making of Batu, and it's just, I mean, the art books have become some of my favorite, but it's a complete production process um, through the the previs and through the art. and the concepts, and I love it. It looks amazing. The um, it, the the blurb reads like explore the exquisite details that went into the creating of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge inside Disneyland Resort and Disney World Resort, um, with a book available later this year. Not a specific date on it, but it looks absolutely gorgeous. I cannot wait. Um, that one jumped out to me. A little bit more about uh, some of the High Republic stuff. Justina Ireland's Test of Courage, her sort of a YA novel. It's about uh, Avon Staros, a 12-year-old girl, girl sent to the edge of the galaxy by her politician mother because she's curious, experimental, and, well, just pure trouble. So, um, I mean, I, it's definitely in the vein of a young reader's, but, I mean, it's it, it reminds me of what I grew up uh, digging into as a young Star Wars fan, which were the Jude Watson books. Um, I loved those. I absolutely loved those. So it kind of it's it's cool to see that coming back into coming back into style. Um, we've already talked about it. The Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view. Um, that's coming up later this year for, to celebrate the uh, anniversary of the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, that looks pretty cool. Um, but I there's a new Clone Wars anthology that was announced, and this was at least news to me. It's a so it's an anthology book with a bunch of writers, many of whom you guys would probably recognize. But it's going to take us inside the mind of Maul. It's called Star Wars: The Clone Wars: Stories of Light and Dark. Um, and I'm a fan. I will say this: the I'm surprised that we're doing a Clone Wars anthology book. But I think maybe because of the success of the From a Certain Point of View. Um, books that they're going to try it with Clone Wars. And of course, you know, Clone Wars was such a big success that it spun off into the Bad Batch series. So you can't really, you can't really argue with that. Um, they have a few more things. Um, a little more detail on Star Wars Thrawn Ascendancy with Timothy Zahn. Um, that I think they actually have, do they have a release date for that yet? No, I don't think they have, I don't think it's official, but um, according to Timothy Zahn, quotes, quote, just meeting up with him talking about Thrawn. Zahn said, I've got his mental patterns, his tactical ideas pretty much established in his mind. I just have to put him in new situations. And this September, there we go, September, uh, that means building the Chiss culture and, quote, exploring how the families work, how the military works, and their relationships with others in the arena. So I, I will say it's it's going to be interesting to see. I, I mean, that, that's right up Timothy Zahn's alley to dig into Chiss, Chiss culture. And I, he really, I mean, they're like, he, he writes on one topic that people like and buy his books right now. And that's, that's Thrawn. People love Thrawn. So, I mean, it just makes sense. Um, there's a couple others, the Poe Dameron, um, free fall that's coming out. That's Alex Segura's new book. And then finally fortune and fate turnabout star Wars, Dr. Afra. Um, so new, new, more Dr. Afra coming. So, um, that's kind of the publishing updates. I, I led with the. I didn't lead with the with the top story though. In fact, hang on, hang on, guy, hang on. I didn't. This is what happens when Riley doesn't queue up his audio. But I refuse a to edit, and b I refuse to proceed without the 
appropriate um without the appropriate sounder because I did save the um I don't know what's the word I'm looking for the the big story the lead story for the well for right now That's right, folks. Disney delays release of new Star Wars movies. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, who? <laughs> yeah, that's, no, that's right. It's a, it's a thing, guys. <laughs> um, I used a Motley Fool article to kind of break it down, but it's true. Although I think the headline of the Motley Fool article says everything we need to know, which is... Uh, Disney delays release of new Star Wars and Avatar movies. So come on, Ma- when, since when? Come on, Star Wars. So Star Wars. This listen, Star Wars is the lead story, guys. Damn it, Avatar. Avatar. We haven't had a movie come out in eleven years. Come on, Avatar. Star Wars and it lumping the two together like this. Is Star Wars now just like is it it's I refuse to accept that Star Wars is just like a, a, a tired, visually cool franchise that Disney happens to own. That's how the headline reads. Come on, guys. Come on. Anyway, I I'll get past it. I'll get past it. So here we go. Um it's official. Uh Disney announced Thursday that it is pushing back back uh <clears throat> well, I can speak. It is pushing back the release dates of a clutch of features. Including interesting word choice, Motley Fool. Anyway, uh, including all upcoming installments of the Star Wars and Avatar series. Additionally, it has indefinitely pulled the release of the live-action version of Mulan, which was set for August twenty-first. The long-awaited Avatar two, oh, cry me a river. <clears throat> long-awaited Avatar two um, is now scheduled for December sixteenth, twenty twenty-two. The the next untitled Star Wars movie is set to open more than a year later on December 22nd, 2023. Guys. Guys. I just did, did some math in my head. That's that's embarrassing. That's three years. I mean, it's more than three years. It's three and a half years, literally, from when I'm recording this. I love it. Yes. Bring it on. Here's the thing about Star Wars, guys. Here's the thing about this news. That I really, I should I say this? I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. It's good. It it really is. There is no, there's no better, you know, healing to the human soul. Just ask anyone who's gone through a bad breakup, divorce, suffering, death in the family, or drama in Star Wars. <laughs> But no, seriously, like in the, of the Disney trilogy era of Star Wars fandom, the uh, the hate, the suffering, to quote the wise old Jedi, there no, nothing heals like time. And listen, Star Wars is nothing if not a resilient mythology that can bounce back after a time away. I think this is great. This is fantastic news. If you if you think that um, having the extra year is is too long, 
I understand it's frustrating, but I really think, and most of the response I'm seeing is welcoming this additional gap in time. Because again, time heals all. Time is the ultimate healer. And it'll give Disney the opportunity to reset the Star Wars franchise in a way that I think it desperately needs it. Because, it, listen, I, I don't, it's not like it's entirely Disney's fault for how um, split fandom is. Like, there's a lot of factors at play here. But big picture, Star Wars fandom is, is the most divided and I would say toxic, as much as that's a buzzword right now, as uh, right now as it's, as it's ever been. As ever been with the rise of Skywalker, kind of exas- uh, Well, last Jedi, rise of Skywalker, just sort of like being the biggest examples recently. And you know, this is nothing to do with whether the movie's good or bad, or whether you like it or don't like it. I love both movies personally, but I think it's a chance to have a much, 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 much better um, reset and approach to really kind of figure out what Star Wars in the Disney era and what Star Wars free of the. Um, constraints and pressures of the original trilogy as I, as I would imagine um, can be because like Star Wars is a, is a franchise it's a story that has an incredible and valuable message for generations for the prequel generation for the original trilogy generation the Clone Wars generation Star Wars has taught us each of us in our own way as we've grown up and I really look forward to the opportunity for Star Wars doing that again in the future. And whether it's blowing up your Death Star, facing your fears, facing the devastation of your home, being willing to you know, pick up and leave the farm, uh, stare off into the twin sunsets and, and go change the world. Like the, Those core elements of Star Wars um, have resonated across generations. And I don't think that's going to stop. I think that's the... Um, that's the next step. That's the next step for the Star Wars universe. And I think more time is going to allow it to be uh, more free to do that with new characters, new stories set in that universe that we all love. Hopefully with um, stories and storytellers that, that get it, that, that know at the essence what Star Wars can be for a generation. So I look forward to that day uh, when maybe my young nieces and nephews, when these films come out, will be the right age to go experience Star Wars on the big screen once again. So there you go. That's Riley's thoughts. That's Riley's thoughts. Okay. I'm, I'm going to stop myself. Um, the, <laughs> the, let's get to the actual um, main part of the episode. Uh, this is the interview I conducted with Ian Descher, author of uh, Shakespeare, Star Wars. And of course out today, um, the Merry rise of Skywalker. Hope you guys enjoy. And uh, until next time, may the force be with you. Ah! Oh, the wrong, <laughs> wrong Probably, if I play like a real transition, it would probably help. This is the Star Wars Report Podcast. Apology accepted, Captain Nido. Well, I'd like to welcome. I'd like to welcome to the show, Mister Ian Dosher. He is the author of, of of many great works of literature, to include Verily a New Hope, The Empire Striketh Back, The Jedi Doth Return. You sense the theme here. He's the author of Shakespeare Star Wars. How's it going, Ian? Great. Thanks for having me, Riley. Absolutely. Thanks for coming back on the Star Wars Report. I'm excited. You know, um, we have you on because um, coming out really next week as we're recording this, 
uh, is the uh, the Merry Rise of Skywalker as you as you round out your tour de force of uh, telling all of the Star Wars stories, um, at least in film format, in a very very unique fashion. Um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with the Shakespeare Star Wars series and books, but um, tell us a little bit about how the, the how the idea actually come to fruition. Where did where on earth did you think of this? Sure. So it was about uh, eight years ago. I three things happened right around the same time. I watched the Star Wars trilogy with some good friends of mine. Um, I read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which was one of the first really popular mashup books. Hmm. And I went to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival with my family. Um, so all three of those things in the same like two month period. And uh, I had the idea while I was at the Shakespeare Festival that it would be really fun to take Star Wars and rewrite it in the style of Shakespeare. Uh, and so I looked up quirk books online um, and uh, found their editor's email address. They were the ones who had published Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Uh, and I sent him an email and uh, he wrote back and said, this is a fun idea. And if you actually write something, let me know and I'll take a look at it. Uh, that was that actually that email to him was almost exactly uh, eight years ago today, just about. Um, and uh, and then I spent the next few weeks putting together the first act of the book, which uh, for Shakespeare, that's the first fifth. Um, and then I sent it to him and he called me up and said, I want to do this. And he got in touch with Lucasfilm for licensing. And uh, we were sort of off to the races from there. Well, what's your background with with both Star Wars and Shakespeare? Because um, this is something that seems to just come come naturally. I can't imagine like the idea just popping off in my head, but I, I love the concept. Star Wars I, has been with me since before I have memories. I, w- mm. I was born in 1977, so I grew up uh, in you know I, I grew up with the movies on VHS in my household uh, with all the Star Wars toys. I saw Return of the Jedi in the theater when I was six. Um, and, and things like that. So that, that one really has been with me from the start. Um, Shakespeare, I've, I've loved since my freshman year of high school when in English class we read Othello. Mm. Uh, and I just loved the, the language and the characters and the stories uh, and just found it to be so rich. And I, I was also a theater kid. So, you know, there we were reading a, a play in, in English class. And um, so it just sort of spoke to me on every level. And, and, that, and that was also my high school years were the same years when Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing came out. Uh, he mm-hmm. had just done Henry V. He was about to do Hamlet. So it was a really good time to be a young person getting interested in Shakespeare. Yeah, I mean, um, Branagh's Henry V is, is amazing. Um, and, and, I, and it's interesting because what do you think, of, what works, I, I, I don't know if this is a good way to ask a question, but as, as you're writing, um, even starting with A New Hope, but as you're, as you're sort of translating the language of Star Wars into the language of Shakespeare, what just kind of comes naturally and, and just works when it comes to mashing those two things together? Well, there are so many, you know, dramatic moments uh, in Star Wars and, of course, in Shakespeare that, that it's, it really does seem like a, a natural blending um, because you have all these moments that are sort of made for the Shakespearean stage uh, in Star Wars, these moments that where you're dealing with people's destinies and the biggest, most important moments of their lives. And at the same time, you've got humor in there and you've got uh, introspection and just all the things that that make up Shakespeare are in large part what also make up Star Wars. Um, And so it does, to me, feel like a pretty natural um, uh, pairing. And, and, And I mean, there's 
there's almost a direct line from Shakespeare to Star Wars uh, through Joseph Campbell, you know, who's, who studied how stories are told and looked uh, at Shakespeare, among others. Um, and then George Lucas, when he's making Star Wars, is looking directly to Joseph Campbell to, uh, you know, think about how to how to form a story. Um, and so, uh, you know, although the idea at first is like, whoa, Shakespeare and Star Wars, you know, what do these have to do with each other? Yeah, there really are a lot of parallels there. It's interesting because as I as I think about um, like Joseph Campbell and, and the hero's journey, it does remind it's interesting because so many modern works of literature pull from that same um, that, that, that same sort of storyline, whether it's Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. But it's interesting that like the, the, some of the tropes of Shakespeare are indeed the tropes of what Star Wars has become. And, and frankly, what the tropes of a lot of Disney films are, which is kind of funny because now Star Wars is intertwined with Disney one and one and all, but yeah. Right. I mean, I re just recently watched the live action version of the Lion King and I, I, and I think I've only seen the animated version once, which was probably close to when it came out. And of course, you know, the Lion King is, is the plot of Hamlet right there. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I wonder, is there a, um, a favorite that you've had as you've, as you've, you know, you've gone, gone, gone to bat nine times is, is, do you have a personal favorite, um, when it comes to translating to Shakespeare? I don't know that one of my Star Wars books itself is a favorite. I, I certainly have uh, favorite moments, and those tend to be places where I I took risks or tried things that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do, um, and and I feel like I was able to pull it off. Um, so so in the in the first book, uh, the the very first time I wrote a scene that was not in the movies at all. I mean, just beyond like a, a speech here and there or something like that. But the scene where the with the two stormtroopers who are uh, guarding the Millennium Falcon when it's in the Death Star, mm -hmm. you know, you sort of see them in the movie and you see them being called inside by Han Solo and then killed. Um, but you don't you don't ever get any dialogue with them. And, and so, you know, the first time I, I sort of felt this audacity, right? I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to have these guys talk to each other. And I had no idea what Lucasfilm would say about it. And they, you know, they, they took it and it sort of became a tradition in these books for me to add a dialogue uh, between two random characters, um, sort of poking fun at the movies themselves. And, and so it's things like that where it's like I'm really glad I did that mm. um, because yeah. I think it, it is what makes the books different than being just a straight retelling. It uh, and it allows like for some of the it allows for it's, uh, even the pop cultural references. I know in the Phantom of Menace you have sort of the taken Liam Neeson bit which I loved. Right. Um but it it adds that like layer of real world humor that you you don't have to take it too too seriously. Right, exactly. I mean these these books are first and foremost just meant to be enjoyed and make people laugh and whether you're reading it straight through or you are flipping to certain sections to see how your favorite scene is handled or whatever i'm, I'm hoping that i'm just making people laugh and yeah, have a good time i hear you well, ian are you familiar have you have you heard of dragon con i've heard of dragon con but that's about the extent of my knowledge i have a, I have a more important question have you heard of dragon con's annual performances of the shakespeare star wars books <laughs> 
Yes, that's yes. Now that you say that, that's why I've heard of Dragon Con. Yes, yes. Well, yeah. so I I stand the proud. Uh, uh, listen, this may be the greatest um, dramatic achievement of my life. I, I peaked at this point, and that was when I was cast as Anakin Skywalker uh, in the Clone huh. Army Attacketh. And awesome. that was a couple years ago. But like me and my good buddy Bruce and and and, um, and and Brandy, she runs the Star Wars track. But there's a bunch of volunteers that l- love drama and love Shakespeare. And um, there's actually I, there's a local teacher involved who kind of takes the books and condenses them into like a one hour performance script. And um, and we do it pretty much every year. So I, I can't wait for sadly it's not this year, but when, upon next year, I'll, I'll shoot you a note or something. But it's it, you've created something in that um, is, is it's gone on to a life of its own, um, which I, so I just I had to tell you that. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I should try to be there in person next year so that I can uh, I, witness it myself. I will say, what is, um, what is your history with, uh, with Star Wars itself? Do you uh, have a, a personal favorite film or per- personal favorite era when it comes to Star Wars itself? I mean, it's hard for me to not um, love the original trilogy the best mm. because it's, it was just part of my blood when I was growing up. Um, yeah. and, and within that, you know... I, I really do have a really soft spot in my heart for Return of the Jedi, and I get why you know it's not most people's favorite of the first three. Um, but uh, we had uh, the again the VHS of the making of a saga on uh, you know, and, and which is mostly the sort of behind the scenes. It's about all three movies, but really it focuses on Return of the Jedi because that's when I think they shot most of it. Mm. Um, and so just getting to see how they how they created Jabba and how they created the Rancor and um, the whole Jabba sequence is just one that I, I love. Um, and so, uh, so I, you know, I have a soft spot in my heart for Jedi. Um, yeah. I've, I've grown to appreciate all of the movies in different ways. Uh, and I certainly have my, my favorites and my least favorites, but, uh, but the original trilogy is still it for me. Yeah. I, I could see it was the original trilogy, a, um, maybe the most straightforward dramatically uh, to translate into Shakespeare. I feel like it was maybe the closest to the Joseph Campbell hero's journey. I, I think so. I mean, I, I guess the other way of another way to look at that is that the prequels were definitely the the trickiest. I, uh. I mean, I I sort of convened a, a mini council of of Star Wars friends uh, before I started working on the prequels to talk through each of the movies and even in certain places to be like, do I have this plot point correct? <laughs> like, am I, am I getting this even what's happening here, you know? Um, and what are the key points to get? And so the prequels were a lot more, um, a lot trickier. The, the challenge with the, uh, the sequel series has been that I'm writing them so quickly after they come out. Um, mm, and, yes. and so I'm really not getting a whole lot of time to, you know, for any of the sort of cultural discussion and mm. lore to start building up around it, right? I, I'm just, you know, in in all three cases, mm. uh, and especially the last two, I was writing. I had started writing within a week of when they came out, uh, and I was and I was done with the manuscript within, uh, you know, month, month and a half. So, um, so they were really sort of breakneck speed, which is its own challenge when you're dealing with something that you've never seen before. You mean, I, I would, well, for shame, Lucas, so they should have given you like a special preview copy so that you would have a, <laughs> for your manuscript. 
wouldn't it be nice? Uh, yeah. What was well with the sequels? What's the uh, besides just the, the the timeline? What was the biggest difference for translating those films? Because that's the first time you're getting outside of George's stories and getting into um, a completely different kind of storytelling. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I think the um, hmm, I think some of the the challenges there were. You know, I really wanted to. I didn't know which characters were going to be uh, really big, which characters weren't. I wanted to make yeah. sure that I was trying to give all these new characters their due um, and and really try to get it. It's, you know, again, it's sort of harder to get inside the heads of characters who are brand new uh, when you haven't uh, watched them for 40 years and there hasn't been this cultural discussion behind them and that, that sort of thing. So yeah. um, I think those are those are some of the challenges other than just the timeline itself. Yeah, it is. It's one of those things that um, I think for all Star Wars fans, it presents a unique challenge because you're trying to translate it into a completely different storytelling style. But for for us too, it's it's a it's a different kind of storytelling. So <laughs> Star Wars fandom itself has gone through its own um, processing for it. But Ian, seriously, I I really appreciate you coming on the program and and talking about the book. It's the uh, the Merry Rise of Skywalker. Now, what specifically? made you choose the title, The Merry Rise of Skywalker? <laughs> I feel like I have to ask that as a parting shot. I mean, every time the titles are announced, mm, the, yep. the discussion begins with my editor. Okay, what do we want to call this one? Um, some are more obvious than others. Um, there, you know, we thought about something like, um, like Skywalker Death Rise or, or something. I mean, we thought of different sort of options around this one. And at some point... I decided it would be fun with some of my non Shakespeare uh, books. I'm sorry, non Star Wars books. They yeah. are Shakespeare, but not non Star Wars. We've done things like uh, The Taming of the Clueless and Much Ado About Mean Girls. And it's been fun to sort of pull in those yeah. uh, Shakespearean titles. You know, I thought it would be fun to maybe call this one All's Well That Ends Well, right? Uh, or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, and at some point in there, I, I thought, you know, Mary Rise sounds a lot like Merry Wives. And mm. we proposed it sort of, uh, of course, not having any idea if there would be anything merry about this this rise of Skywalker, um, but sort of counting on the fact that things were probably going to end up well. And I mean, it still is a it still is a sort of a funny uh, title, given all of the things that happen in the uh, in the play it's not, or in the movie. It's not like it's a you know, it's not like you leave it thinking, well, wasn't that jolly? Right. Uh, <laughs> But uh, still, I think the the title works. And there were just other things you like, you know, I'm sure at some point somebody said, well, can we do the riseth of Skywalker? And it's like, no, we can't because that's not that's not actual Mm -hmm. Elizabethan language. You can't just add a T.H. I'm a real real stickler about that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's exactly right. You can't just add a T.H. and and make it um, Shakespearean. That's yep. that's very true. That's very true. Uh, well, Ian, tell everybody where they can uh, a get the book and uh, b follow you online and your further exploits in the world of uh, Shakespeare and Star Wars and all other things. <laughs> um, so the book is available um, in your local bookstore. Should be, or they can order it. Um, it's also on places like Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the online options. Um, I am available everywhere on social media: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter uh, at Ian Desher. Uh, on Instagram, I think there's a period in there somewhere. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I'm around and I always love hearing from people. Awesome. I also have a website, uh, which is iandesher.com. Nice. We'll, uh, we'll include those links in the, in the show notes this week. And Ian, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Riley. Thank you, Riley.